Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey y'all, it's Bart. Welcome to another episode of Soccer For Us. On this episode, as the first roster of the Burhalter 2.0 era has dropped, we're going to talk about the depth chart for each of uh, the three people on this particular episode of the podcast. We're just going to go through the depth chart, a 3D depth chart, kind of get to like 20, you know, three, 20, 33 guys, you know, that kind of bigger expanded pool of players um, to kind of set our, I guess, benchmark for, as I said, this Burhalter 2.0 era. Uh, so joining me on this episode, we have, Thomas, a.k.a. U.S. Keeper. Thomas, I'm sure you uh, had a great time copying and pasting all that work you did when you did your five deep rosters before the Gold Cup. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's harder than it looks. Give it a try sometime. There's, there's you know, there's, it's harder than it looks and your biases come into play with it. So it's uh, it's a fun exercise for sure. I do like that you mentioned your biases because I think that's something that I've noticed about U.S. soccer people on Twitter, especially USMNT. Twitter chucklehead sometimes is they don't realize that they have an inherent bias toward the type of player they want. Uh, and they don't, ha- and they have an inherent bias into the type of, you know, style or philosophy of how they should run a team. Anyway, that will play into even our 3d depth chart where we talk about goalkeepers or left backs in particular about who fits into those, uh, those thir- second and third positions on this depth chart. Uh, the other guy joining us is a coach, a dad, a teacher, uh, a, a lot of things, uh, but most importantly, a U.S. soccer fan. It's Caleb from at USMNT Corner. Caleb, uh, thanks for joining us. I know you are busy, busy, busy running around with kids in school, kids in soccer. Oh. Club club coach, high school coach, dad, you know, player. You know, it's sometimes I can't remember, you know, exactly what I'm supposed to be doing every hour of the day, but it is what it is. Also, USMNT nerd. I prefer yeah. <laughs> USMNT nerd. Fans are, there's a ton of fans. I think we, all of us, you know, most of the people that we interact with on Twitter on a day to day basis, we are above the fan. We are into the nerd echelon. And I think it's a good thing. It's, you know, it's a term of endearment. Do you consider yourself a sicko? Oh my gosh. Like the kids know, like they can, like my students. Like if we're you know, about to do a presentation or PowerPoint or something they don't want to do, 
they'll just start asking me questions about soccer. Like they know, <laughs> like, and I'll just start oh, I'll go on a tangent. 10, 15 minutes later, I'm like, guys, y'all did it again. Y'all did it again. <laughs> Thomas, are you a nerd or a sicko? Which way do you want to identify? <laughs> I, I, I'll go with nerd. I think I'm definitely a nerd uh, with it. So I, I think I like that because sickos, I, I'm like, I'm not the type of person who's going to watch the, I mean, we'll talk about it when we talk about the roster, but Christopher Lund in the second division of the Italy, you know, Serie B, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sinking my time in a Serie B. I just not, I, I have a finite amount of time in my day <laughs> and I'm going to watch the leagues and the teams and the players that I like. And, and sorry, Serie B is not it, but uh, yeah, I definitely nerds borderline sickos on this podcast and the exercise we're doing today is definitely a nerdy <laughs> thing to do so like i said we're going to do a three deep depth chart for each position for the u.s men's national team kind of again build that out to about 33 30 to 33 players look at what each position has and at the end we'll kind of identify where we see some room for improvement if you will um which will transition well into discussing the roster that dropped earlier this week for the friendlies coming up in September for the U S men's national team. All right, gentlemen, let's start with goalkeeper and I will go first because my three are pretty, I think, I don't think there's anything really uh, crazy about this. I have Matt Turner as my number one. I have Ethan Horvath as my number two. And then my third is Gaga Slonina. Um, Kayla, what, what do you have? Yeah, I'm, you know, pretty much the same Turner, Poor about Selena. With Selena, I'm not like, you know, locked in, set in stone. He's super young. I think the potential is the reason we all put him there. And yeah. as a third keeper, I would rather go with potential versus, uh, you know, veteran leadership. So that's why I put him in there over a guy like Stefan, Sean Johnson, yeah. Greg Callender. You know, that's my rationale yeah. there. I think Stefan, Callender, Johnson, those guys, Celentano, like there's been a couple of guys that have gotten looks and I'm, I'm with you. I would put Gaga in the squad. I don't necessarily think that he's a better goalkeeper than any of those guys, but after Matt Turner, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. uh, Thomas, you're a goalkeeper. Uh, I mean, you have a slightly different set of three. So yeah, I, the preference is <clears throat> the reason for my picks are um, I'm taking into account the the Olympic piece of it. So um, the only difference I had um, I had Turner one, Horvath two, and then I had uh, Drake Calendar <clears throat> uh, for the third with Slonita with the, being with the U23s. I think yeah, because camps start to build up for for that. We're going to see him be involved in those. So I think barring the Olympics, he would probably be my third keeper. But um, in in that Yvain, that's kind of where I looked at it from there. And again, I think that totally makes sense because when you're looking at the senior U.S. men's national team, very different than the U20s or the U23s, which obviously we have a tournament coming up next year. Um, but I think the, the the gist is Matt Turner is our number one. Ethan Horvath, probably our second choice. And then after that, it's just pick a guy from a list of six guys and it's, you know, there's your third guy. Um Centerbacks is a little more interesting. All, all three of us kind of had the same group-ish. Um, ranking them is a little hard. And then you consider that, you know, some of these guys can play left or right-sided. Um, I had Richards and Ream as kind of my starting pairing, if you will. Behind them, I had CCV, Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, and Mark McKenzie. 
Uh, Caleb, yours is slightly different, but feels the same. Yeah, I kind of looked at this whole thing as what am I looking at versus always trying to figure out what what do I think Burhalter's going to do? Nobody knows what Burhalter's going to do. We have no idea. So I think I'm done with that. I'm going to look at it, what I would do. Um, And I still, like, Brooks, the fact that he's not in is so stupid, but he's there for me. Reem, at the moment, he's still playing at an extremely high level. You know, when you're projecting towards 2026, I don't think he'll be there. He says he wants to be, and more power to him. I mean, that'd be amazing if that could happen. I just, you know, I don't know. But right now, He's there. And then Richards and Miles, I think Richards and Miles probably project as the two for the future, um, the pairing, especially if Miles gets a, a good move this offseason. And then I have uh, CCV and Walker Zimmerman. The bubble would be, uh, you know, Mark McKenzie, Austin Trusty, Jalen Neal. I think Zimmerman, for me, he stays in there just leadership-wise. I think mm, yeah. a lot of people, number one, he's great in the air. He's better than people want to give him credit for just because he plays in MLS. But I think his leadership um, is something that really sets him apart. So he's 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 still in that group for me. All right. Well, interesting. Uh, Thomas, you had a slightly different order of these guys as well. <clears throat> yeah. So I'll start with the, the right center back. So it's Richards one, TCV and Miles are kind of, you know, you know, you know, one B, I think it all depends on what the form is for those players. And then I think I'm not as high on uh, reams on there, but to Caleb's point, I just, I think he's, you know, his days are, I mean, you'd like to, you don't want to think his days are number, but he's getting older. So it's, he's there, but I think, you know, McKenzie trustee, you know, are going to push him a little bit, you know, in, in the position there on, on the left side, but you know, I think it's going to be interesting too. Cause I mean, obviously Greg mentioned working a three back center back situation. So, you know, that's, you know, an interesting piece cause you're going to have he to have did. different skilled players in the, in the, in that formation. So. Which by the way, not to get too nitpicky into that, but like people reacted poorly to that comment as of having a plan for a four back and a three back set was like a bad thing. So I, I, again, we're finding reasons to be mad when, Sometimes you need three center backs. I mean, you just might. Um, and to your point, that does change how you build a back line because, like, for example, Caleb, I would have put Reem and Brooks in a back three. <laughs> you know, that would be slightly problematic, putting two slow guys back there. But, you know, would I put Richards, Miles, and CCB back there? I don't know. So that also, we're, we're kind of assuming more of a 4-3-3, three, three, but, like, if you go to three center backs, it does change your, your kind of pecking order. This is true. And like I said, hey, nobody knows what Burhalter is going to do. Yeah. That's going to be our new base formation, by the way. Three, five, two, in case you guys didn't know. He's, mm-hmm. he's going to just change it all of a sudden. Hey, if it gets Balligan and pulls a second <laughs> in the middle of the field, then hey, that would be fun. Um, <laughs> let's go to right back. Um, most of us have this. Uh, actually, all three of us, we have the same dude. It's Sergio Dust is our number one. Now, my number two is Joe Scali. My three is Brian Reynolds. Uh, Caleb, I yeah, think you they, the same. I have the exact same. Sergino okay. Dest, Joe Scally, and Brian Reynolds. I think the, the last time we saw Reynolds, he really kind of put himself in there. Yeah. Um, looked really good going forward. A lot of athleticism. And, and um, you know, I, I think the third right back spot was kind of up for grabs, anyways. And I really think he kind of 
you know, obviously, I don't, I don't know if he um, submitted himself there, but I, I think he's probably leading the pack right there mm-hmm. for that third spot. Now, Thomas, you did not have Joe Scally on your right back depth. <clears throat> I, I didn't, you know, and, and in my depth chart, I didn't repeat any players in the positions, and that was yeah. almost deliberate a little bit, which makes it a little harder to do that. So, um, I mean, and so I, I again, yeah, I made it a little hard myself. So, um, I was going to go with four right backs, but it, it's not the World Cup, so I figured I'd just stick with the stick with the rules. So I did go with Dest and then <laughs> Reynolds and Fossey on there. I like, to, I kind of like want to see Fossey uh, in general. I think yeah. you know he's he's worth getting an eye on at this point. He's experienced um, enough where I think he can, should get a look. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you in that. Well, here's where I agree with you. And I think this is what I take from this is none of us had Deandre Edlin. Um, and this to me is a very like Deandre Edlin was slotted into that right, that spot for the past eight, 12 years. I feel like as a U.S. national team player, certainly since, you know, the 2014 cycle. Um, this is really a turning of the page. So who, to your point, fills in that, like, third spot? Fossey's one. Um, you know, there there are others that could be there. I mean, it, we've seen freaking Julian Russell played. You know, as, there's going to be someone who needs to take over that role. But also to kind of, Caleb, what you said, uh, Ryan Reynolds looked really good in the Gold Cup. Um, and, you know, you don't take too much from the competition level we played, but... I think what I took was he's ready to be considered as a full squad player. Yeah. And then, you know, to Thomas's point with Marla Fossey, I, I'm, I'm of the thought that just leave no stone unturned, right? If he looks good, get him in. Like there's so many opportunities to invite players and get them integrated. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. No big deal. Yeah. You know, but like at least, reward these guys for going to Europe, testing themselves, pushing themselves and give them an opportunity. So yeah, a guy playing in, you know, the first division of Belgium is worth looking at. um, Let's move to the left side because uh, again, we all three have the same starting left back. (laughs) It's Anthony Jedi Robinson. Um, He has been the starter under every coach that we've had the past, you know, (laughs) eight months. Uh, and then the starter under Burhalter. Um, now, Caleb, you and I have Serginho Dest as our second choice because we did repeat a couple of players in certain positions. Thomas, you have Joe Scally as your second choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, could could have gone either way with it. With I, I did change it up a little bit. He initially was on my right back side, but I put him on the left. I mean, we've seen him play there with the Nash team, you know, in the few opportunities he's had. So I, th- I think for now, I think that's where he'll slot in. Yeah. Um, in general. So I think default by default, he is the second choice, right? So if you have a starting <laughs> the lineup, second choice of, of literally right. a fullback. Yeah, yeah. If you've got a, if you've got a starting lineup with Jedi on the left and Des on the right, Scally to me is my second fullback, right? He's the second choice at right. He's the second choice at left. I just had like Dest. If I if Jedi's hurt, I'm gonna put Dest on the left and Scally on the right. Mm-hmm. It's that's what yeah. I would do. And um, Dest is playing like almost exclusively left back right now for PSV. Now, granted, yeah. left 
back. He and Noah Lang are just doing stuff on the left side. <laughs> they're just back there. I don't know what they're defending or anything. It's fun to watch. I just, and I, I was going to say, I love to does. see it. <laughs> exactly. I love to see it. But yeah, I think I think that's that's the right call. I mean, technically yeah. speaking, he is the second. I think it's where, you know, when we get into the third spot is where we kind of all have our own little yeah. uh, thoughts and biases, right? Yeah. So, Thomas, you have Dewan Jones. I have Dewan Jones as that third spot. I thought he was very good in the Gold Cup. I thought he proved to me that he at least deserves to be considered in that left back kind of group. Uh, what do you see specifically about, about, about like Dewan Jones that makes you feel comfortable including him in this group of, you know, the top 30 players in this pool? Yeah, I, 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 he showed well. I mean, he shows well at the club. He showed well at the Gold Cup. I thought. I think he's he's skilled. He attacks and pushes forward. I. I <clears throat> that being said, I think there are players in the wings that are actually naturally left footed, who mm. who could push him, but that hasn't happened yet. So there's a there, there are, and that's the key. Like having a natural left footed left back is kind of an you know kind of a critical thing I think is Scally's yeah. not that and you you have a few guys in the wings that can do that but they have to be able to to, to elevate themselves you know mm-hmm. to that position as as you know Clinton would say hey you have to go ahead and take that spot and I do agree with that to a point because you know th- there's opportunity there and they're young too I mean 18 20 21 year olds I mean yeah. you know so so they you know they have that opportunity to be able to do that so they also might fall into that Olympic opportunity too. So mm. again, that, that's also why he's there over someone else that, you know, of you know, Gomez or, uh, you know, a, a, a John uh, Tolkien, you know, type yeah. of player. Now, Caleb, you differentiated from us. Um, you have the Atlanta homegrown Caleb Wiley. It's only because he shares my, my name. Um, that's the only reason. Uh, no, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great reason, right? I mean, I feel like that's kind of what Burhalter does when he picks roster sometimes, <laughs> just the most random things. Uh, here, here's the thing. To me, Dewan Jones, I really like him. I like what he offers, but he is a um, he's a left back out of necessity for club. I think he is a right back that can play left back. And I think the fact that he plays left back primarily is good for him as far as utility goes. But I think he'd be better on the right. That's just, it's just what I see. Yeah. And then as okay. far as putting Caleb Wiley there, it's kind of the same thought process as the um, keeper situation, right? If it's your third left back, um, as far as my depth chart. Now, Thomas has brought up really good points as far as the Olympics. It's, you know, in reality, thinking, um, you know, he's right. That's that's where Caleb Wiley is probably going to end up being. But um, I think as far as naturally left-footed left backs go, you know, Gomez, Vines, Wiley, he's probably the most well-rounded. I really uh, appreciate his 1v1 defending. He's dangerous going forward. He's creative. Um, and he's strong. He's a big kid for mm-hmm. such a young kid. I think he could do a job. Um, so that's kind of why I've got him there as far as my depth chart because I see him kind of – solidifying himself in the next you know six months yeah couple, you know year or so um and then you know someone we're not talking about george bello we saw him do a really good job um last summer i believe it was you know club situation has been uh, it's been terrible 
yeah, it's been awful. And I hate that for him because I do feel like he's a talented kid. Uh, he's got to move. I hope, I hope things turn around for him so he can put his name back in there. But for me, like he's just completely out of the situation. Uh, simply, regardless of his talent and his potential, simply because of the club situation. So, so here's my question with left back because this has been. I mean, if you followed the U.S. Men's National Team for like I don't know more than a, a one camp, you know that finding a second choice left back is like the hardest thing we possibly could do. Specifically, when we're talking about like a left-footed left back. Um, Dewan Jones is kind of, I, I know he's not naturally left-footed, but he certainly plays left back for his club almost exclusively. Um, I mean, Thomas, do you think that's a priority? Like, does it, or is it okay? Like when we went to the world cup, we took three right backs and one left back. Like, does it matter to find that? Is that a priority? I mean, that's just a priority, but I mean, I think it's something you kind of look at when you're when you're building, you know, positions a little bit too, and you're building formations. Because again, it's partly the skill set too. Because how are they going to play? Yeah. So you got to figure, and I think that's the key. Like when you look at the rosters, like like, and that's not one thing we've even talked about. Like, what's the? I mean, obviously we kind of looked like a four four three formation, but but with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You know, like how are they going to play with different opponents? You know, they're going to, you know, right. three back. You know, is it five back? How it is, and how are they going to push up? I mean, I envision. I like to watch the wing, the the outside backs push forward. That's what I want to mm-hmm. see. So, but there there's a skill set where being right footed on the left side, you know, it gives you different opportunities and different looks. So it's, you know, it's. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think there's. I, I don't know. I, it's sometimes we get stuck on that a little bit. I think too in our heads in terms of what, what's needed there. It's really, you know, how, how it's going to be able to fit and how it's going to work with the combination too, with the, with whoever the winger is going to be on that side too. Yeah. I think you nailed it. I think, because I, I don't mind a right footed left back in the sense of like, if it's Dest, because if he's going to cut inside, you know, I love that. I like that all day long, but also in combination with, you know, who's playing left wing. If they're going to be occupying the same exact space, like if Polisic's on the left wing, he's cutting inside and Des is cutting inside, you know, if that could be problematic. Um, yeah, that might be, that's a good point of who is playing elsewhere. I mean, who's yeah. playing your six? Is it Tyler Adams or is it James Sands? Because James Sands could just kind of slot back into the center back. Like, right. Yeah. That's, yeah, I think that, and that's, so that's a good point, Thomas. I think a lot of it just depends on who's available. Who are who are we going to face? What are what does our you know set formation look like? What are our tactics? I think all that kind of comes into play, which is kind of why I just I looked at just overall talent 
and 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 potential when I mm-hmm. put mine together. Because I think when you start getting into the weeds, I mean, especially for people like us that are paying attention to way more than the average fan, so many things factor into these decisions um, that we are not ultimately making. You know, thank God sometimes because some of these positions are tight. Well, you're right. And I think the, the back line is both settled, but also there's a lot of uncertainty of just who is starting, especially in that center back position. Um, let's move up the field a little bit, go to the defensive midfield position. Now we all three have Tyler Adams, but Thomas, you have an interesting list of guys behind him and not so much interesting because we haven't seen him, but, I just I struggle to find them to find confidence in them in an important game. Yeah, it, it, this was a hard one for me because the, I, I mean we talked about depth at, at you know the defensive mid six like they just it's not there like you know in general like so and again in, in an effort not to reuse a player I mean I'm sure Musa would be the ideal um, backup to, to Adams in that situation. I, I just, you know, did not put him in that position. I used Johnny Cardoza and James Sands. Now, mind you, I didn't want to put him there, but I think we lack the depth. There are so many like players, I think that kind of like are on the fringe, you know, mm. that, that we've seen a little bit, like, you know, it, you know, you know, we saw, you know, Keaton Parks, we haven't seen at all, which again, we rack our brains about no, that one, but Keaton like, Parks but, doesn't exist. What are you talking about? No, he's I mean, a- exactly. He's a, he's a, he, <laughs> I mean, and he plays at a very high level, um, and I that one blows me away. I mean, there's obviously, you know, Mir Robinson, you know, he's a player that could potentially, you know, do a national that could potentially, you know, fill a role. Probably unlikely, but he's 21, and so, you know, Aiden Morris didn't do it. You know, can Tessman do it? Can Busio do it? Like, you know, in general, like, and there's players that have, you know, fizzled out, you know. I mean, you know, you know where Daniel Edelman, like, he's, you know, he's, coming up he's still 20 you know Chris Durkin there's just so many players you we've heard over the years but none of them have been able to find Mm -hmm. that opportunity to do it or you know or even gotten that look so that's it's very hard and so that's why my my picks there are a little bit a little bit unique because I just I still think we lack the actual depth there while Musa can play it I don't think you know, I think he's better, you know, in a different position, right. You know, in, in that, cause, um, but we, we, he's proven he can play it. So, um, well, and he has, um, that's why I have him as my second choice at that position. Um, and I do think that that is obviously, you know, when we saw this in the nation's league, I think we all kind of thought like that could be a thing that could happen. Um, we kind of had the thought exercise of what does a Musa at the six look like. And I kind of thought it would be more of a double pivot and it really wasn't. Um, so that's kind of why I'm more confident putting him there. That said, I don't think there's anything wrong with changing your formation a little bit if Tyler Adams isn't available, but I, I have Adams, Musa Cardoso. I really do like James Sands. I'm just not sure how he stacks up when like, the intensity and the level of play rises because, and I mean, I had the same question for Gardoso, but Sands was, Sands was pretty darn good in the Gold Cup um, to the point where, like, I didn't think he was actively hurting the team like Aiden Morris did on a couple of occasions. But I just don't know if Cardoso, Sands, any of those guys, I don't know if I trust them, and I do trust Yunus Musa. Caleb, I feel like you are in a similar boat as me. I am. I think this is probably... 
in, in my opinion, at least the most, one of the most critical positions on the field, right? Mm. Um, I'm a former right back and former six. And, you know, I, I was obviously no Tyler Adams, but um, I do understand kind of how things pivot, you know, obviously people use that term for it, but really things pivot upon that position. And when, when Adams is out, it is, I mean, like so obvious, so obvious. And I agree. I think when Musa kind of showed he can do it, it made me feel better about using him there if we need to. Yeah. Right. Because I feel like we've got more backups at the eight to where if we pull Musa from the eight, which I agree with you, Thomas, he's better there. But if we can pull him to do the six, because I think he does a good job, it's easier to fill in a backup eight. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of why I've got him there. Uh, but after Tyler Adams and Eunice Musa, I mean, I've got, I've got. You have a bunch marks. of question marks. Yeah, I, I'm going to do that when I put this on Twitter. By the way, please, please I'm going do. to just put like five because question marks. For 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 me, I please do it because it's it is true. It is so true for me because, like, I've got several of these guys listed on the bubble. Right, Busio, he's inconsistent. Cardoso, I mean, ton of potential. We see it, right? He's frustrating us. Yeah, but on in in a U.S. men's national team kit. I've not seen it yet. Obed, Varza, Obed Vargas, too young. Tanner Tessman, a lot of potential. I mean, he's got – Hey, he scored a free kick goal the other day. It was a Golasso. Also, you know, I'm wondering why in the world and how that keeper didn't make that save. <laughs> but you know bad. what? Hey, he does have a rocket. He has a lot of physical tools. He's a big kid. Yeah. Um, and he's doing a job in Europe with, you know, I think – in the position he's at with Venezia, it's probably not the greatest situation. And he's still in there doing his thing. So yeah. I, I think you got to look at that. I'd love to get some looks with him. But, you know, you just start throwing people out. Kellen Acosta, right? None of us has even mentioned him because I think for a while he was probably everybody's backup six. Well, he, but wasn't he the only one? I, exactly. He was by default. Yeah. Like, there was no other options. And that's the frustrating part is – you look at the six and then you do think about a, a guy like Keaton parks. Could he do the job? I don't know. Cause we've not seen it. Yeah. Why in the world, if we have such an issue there and Tyler Adams has shown that he's not, he's not, you know, Jedi. That's for sure. I don't think anybody is as far as the I mean, ability. We're, to we're having this conversation while Tyler Adams is literally it, injured and it, it, not thank playing you. for his club team. He's thank not you. in the friendlies coming up. Like, this exactly. is a serious issue. And I'm saying that as one of the biggest Tyler Adams fans. Um, but it's it's a massive issue. So why aren't we talking about, you know, talking about Marlon Fossey? Keeping no stone unturned. Why are we not bringing these guys in? Yeah. We tried Aiden Morris. To, to your point, Thomas, didn't work. So try somebody else. And again, and again, and again, until we find someone who can do the job. So that is why I, I have Moose as my two, because as of right now, those are the only two people, Tyler Adams and Eunice Moose, that I feel very comfortable with if we're facing stiff competition. Well, and 
let's move up that field because as you mentioned both of you that there are potentials if you move Musa to the six there's a there, it just feels like there's more depth at these attacking mid positions so let's talk about it um I have McKinney and Musa as my starting attacking midfielders um I have Gio Reyna Luca De La Torre behind them and then behind that is like a second group of like I guess I trust them and that's Georgie Mihailovic and Malik Tillman um I think the thing for me is Reyna and De La Torre could play at either left or right side, but I would prefer Reyna to be in a more advanced position, similar to McKinney, and prefer De La Torre to be slightly less advanced, like Musa. Um, Caleb, where do you sit with the attacking mid-depth chart? Yeah, I mean, if you've got Adams, McKinney, and Musa, the MMA midfield, I'm happy with it. I'm fine with it. Um, if Gio Reyna's healthy, I'm okay with an Adams McKinney Reyna. Yeah. Or a Musa McKinney Reyna. Like, I think that's a great problem to have as far as if Reyna's healthy, where he can slot in and, and play. Um, and I'll be honest, the reason I don't have, and we'll get to this on the other positions, the reason Reyna's not a starter for me, and I have the same kind of thought process with Josh Sargent, where his position on the depth chart is he's never healthy. Right. So I don't want to rely on him as my number one right. when there are very good players behind him and around him that maybe even are better with the national team than he's ever been and certainly are more available. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so frustrating to see a guy with his, I mean, just his, his talent, his potential. It is probably the most intriguing as far as if you want to call him a prospect, right, at this point, you know. But it is. It's so frustrating because he can't stay healthy, and we'll talk about Sergeant later. Both of these guys just seem to be – I don't know if it's bad luck. I think with, with Reyna finding out it wasn't necessarily a muscle injury, so that's good. It was kind of like a freak accident um, with the fracture. At least it's not a pattern, right? If you're having the same injury over and over and over again, that's uh, kind of more of a negative look. But, yeah, I agree. It's it's tough to put him in there. Yeah. Um, but as far as after those three, I think McKinney, Reyna, and Musa, everybody has him there. For me, it's De La Torre because he's not done anything wrong to fall out of his spot. And then straight up because of his – I mean, sheer potential and his ability to make magical things happen. I've got Malik Tillman in there. Yeah. Uh, he just, he's got a knack for making things happen. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And he does it. He's done it everywhere he goes. And then you mentioned a bubble of kind of guys behind that. Who would be your preferred player in that kind of six attacking mid spot, if you will? Yeah, I've got the bubble with Brennan Aronson. Uh, Taylor Booth and, and Jesus Ferreira. And I've got Jesus Ferreira in there because I see him more as a 10 or an 8 than I mm. do as a forced 9, which he just continues Especially to get at the shoved. Yeah. Exactly. Especially, yeah, if you've got all the first-choice guys, why are we forcing him into a role that he doesn't need to play? Um, but I think Brendan Aronson is just one of those pesky, uh, can do the job. Is he first choice? Probably not. But I feel comfortable putting him there if I need to. Yeah. Now, Thomas, you have basically the same five that Caleb listed. McKinney, Musa, Reyna, De La Torre, Tillman. 
you do list Jesus Ferreira as your sixth option as an attacking mid. And I think this is an interesting conversation because when we saw in the Gold Cup, he did start several games as the striker. But later in the game, when we brought on Brandon Vasquez and made some changes, he moved to that midfield position and I thought looked pretty decent. I mean, what did you make of him in that position in the Gold Cup? He impressed me. And I mean, I, I don't think, and I don't think he's a nine. He's just not, I think he's fault. And he's a better passer than, than I realized, you know, in that, you know, watching that. So I think it's a good, um, I think it's a good opportunity to, to you know, to bring him in there. Cause I just, I think that the, the striker, I don't think he's the type of striker against the top tier talent that's going to be able to score. And that's no, look, he's scoring goals when he needs to. And so, against competition he should be scoring against you and it's no knock on him it really isn't i i think he slots better you know behind the strikers yeah. and being able to run forward and a little bit more free and then cutting in and, and doing and creating you know a little bit more havoc in that in that you know uh, attacking third uh centrally so yeah that's kind of the conversation about ferrera that i and my point always in that conversation is he's a very talented player it's just a matter of finding where he actually fits into that system onto the field because i just don't see him as a striker at this level um and nothing against him because i know his movement's decent he's got good passing and all that but like you could put a lot of guys up top and they would score several goals against some of the competition we saw in the gold cup and that's just the unfortunate reality of the Concacaf competition um but yeah okay so i, I think we all agree that like mckinney musa reina are like that starting three that you choose two from, depending on opponent, depending on whatever it is. Um, so that's good. Uh, let's finally get to these attacking players for real. Uh, Caleb, you have an interesting right wing trio. Yeah, I think at right wing, Tim Way has got that spot. Uh, he, he's got it down for me. Um, Taylor Booth, if he's healthy, Think about Booth, you know, he's played all over, and I think he can play all over. Uh, left wing, right wing, attacking mid. I think he could even play the six if he wanted him to. This kid is just super I'm talented. To see how he develops, yeah. I, yeah, I, I really do too. And he's so young. Like, he, his final position where he ends up, like, for the majority of his career, it might not even be where it's at. But I really, really like where he's at. I think he can put a good ball in from the wing. So I have him right there. Um, and then I've got Balogun there and it's because I didn't want to put him as the starting striker, the third depth on, on the left wing and the right wing. I just think he can play and he has played left on the right in the middle. He, he has that ability. He's extremely technical. He's very quick. Um, so I, I kind of think it speaks to kind of a lack of depth there, but also to Balogun's utility and his ability to, to move all over the place. And we've seen his technical abilities. You've put him on either wing, and I think he's perfectly Interesting. I haven't really thought about that because I've just – I've identified him as the striker for the U.S. national team. But that's interesting, especially if it's one of those, like, hey, we need to get another goal scorer on the field. Maybe you move him out to the right and bring on Pepe for example, who is a little bit more positionally concrete. I mean, you've got so many options now, especially since uh, Wea can play fullback, right? <laughs> so I, He's you, a, at least a wingback. <laughs> if you pull off, let's say you slide 
desk to the left and, and pull Scally off the right and sub bring way down and value. I'm just saying like, it gives yeah. you more options and then you can throw a Pepe in there. Who's taller, uh, maybe a little bit better in the box possibly. I don't know. It just, it gives you options and I like his utility. All right. Well, uh, Caleb, I don't think you have Balogun listed as a right winger. Who's, who's your three. Sorry, that's oh. Thomas. My bad. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, I've got Wea. I mean, I think, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, Wea, Wea's been, you know, doing the job. I have Brendan Aronson there, and then I have uh, Booth um, following that up there. So, I, I, you know, again, without repeating players, you know, it's it makes it a little bit more challenging uh, to, to do that. But I think, um, I, I, you know, I, I think any of those any of those players can, can perform at a high level, um and provide energy on the field. I mean, again, Wea has really impressed and, you know, and I was critical, you know, for a lo- while he was going through his injuries, um, you know, several years ago about, you know, you know, his ceiling. And, and I was, I was proven wrong. I'll fully admit that. And I'm, I'm glad I'm wrong because, you know, he's, he's, he does a lot of exciting things out there and having him on that, on that wing is, uh, it's, it's going to be fun to watch with, you know, whoever he's paired with essentially and on the, on the left side. Well, and I think for me, it's Wea. I have Reyna as my second choice right winger, just because I want to find another spot to get him on the field if necessary. I have Zendaya as my third option. I don't necessarily have any real like belief behind that. It's just more because I haven't seen enough of Taylor Booth to tell me that he's for sure right winger. Um, he does put in a good cross, but that, I wasn't super impressed. I wasn't super impressed by Zendayas. Um, I just want to see more of Taylor Booth in a U.S. men's jersey before I'm like, yeah, he's my third choice there. Uh, and that's really where it is. Um, I, I think that it, similar to what we talked about with kind of Jedi, he is your left back, right? Weya is your right winger, you know, and everyone after that are just kind of, Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Especially when we move to the left side, which we will. There are players, especially now we watch Ballista play more on that right side for AC Milan. There are players on the right side that could just as easily play right wing as well. So the wingers are a little left. Like Wea is my right winger, but even with Wea, if you needed to, you could put him as a left winger if if you had to. Um, my let's move to the left the left wing though. My three are Christian Pulisic, Brendan Aronson, and Kate Cowell. Um, I still have Cowell up there just because someone's got to be that third choice option. And I'm betting on him to figure out a little bit more 
as he plays more competition for the U.S. Uh, Caleb, what's your left wing depth chart look like? So I'm with you. I've got Pulisic and Aronson. Uh, but instead of Kyle, I've got Paredes. I think Kevin Paredes is just – he's a little more technical. Mm-hmm. I think his decision-making in the final third is a little bit better. That's the thing that frustrates me so much about Cowell is his physical tools and his ability to, you know, beat you off the dribble, run in behind are, I mean, fantastic. And he puts himself in phenomenal situations and positions all the time. Um, but then his final – decision his his final pass his shot it's just the decision making in the final third yeah it, it just leaves a lot to be desired even though his physical gifts are tantalizing um so that's kind of where i'm at with that I, he's in my bubble my left wing bubble i've got kate cowell uh conrad because yeah still believe in that kid Hey, he has. So if you're much gonna believe talent. in Cade Cal, if I can believe in Cade Cal, you can believe in. I can. You know what? And then, hey, listen, I don't have it listed, but I'm still. I I, I haven't forgot about Ulianas. That kid, I've just always liked him. But some of these guys, you know, they they make the wrong move, whether it's them or their agent or their family or who knows. Yeah. Um. So hopefully one day we'll see. Um. You know, and again. The winger position, I, there are definite like left and right sided winger right. perspectives and ways to play it, but a lot of these guys are neither left or right footed. It's just a matter of where they fit best on the field at the given time. Exactly. Uh, Thomas, I think your your trio kind of speaks to that as well. I mean, you have Polisic number one, but you have some interesting ones after that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Polisic number one, obviously. Uh, I went with Dejas. He's left footed naturally. I don't, and I kind of want to see him on that side a little bit more. I mean, he did. You know, he struggled during the Gold Cup. There's no doubt about that. I mean, but he only but played on the right side. He did only play on the right side. And that's the thing. And so, and, and here's the thing you have to fit someone out there. Look, I press is my third, but the reason Zendaz is there is because he's only 25, 26 years old. And so, do you either want Christian Roldan, Jordan Morris, you know, Payarilla? I mean, I don't think so. We ha- So, we have to still rely on, on some of these, again, these bridge players while some of these other players come through. And, and, you know, take that opportunity because, you know, you, you can't write them off. And I think part of it was maybe, you know, the talent that was around him in the Gold Cup wasn't, yeah. you know, um, you know, at, to his, you know, skill level or comfortability getting the balls and the right stuff. And he was clearly forcing himself. But that's, yes. you know, that's kind of why he's there for me. I think you make a great point. You talk about forcing himself. And, and for people that have never played or maybe they've played, but they've never struggled with the mental side of the game. I have a, a soft spot for that because I know exactly what it's like to struggle on the field because of the mental side of the game. And I think, and, and I've done it on, on both ends of the spectrum, but he's probably looking at himself in the gold cup as the guy who needs to make things happen. And he was forcing things and trying things that he probably shouldn't have tried and it didn't come off and he struggled. He looked bad, but I don't think it's because he can't play, you know, and so, like I said, because I've, I've experienced that kind of thing. So I have a soft spot for those. So I don't, I don't want to write him off, even though I don't have him in any of my lists. Mm-hmm. Um, but I fully agree with you, Thomas. I think because of his age, some of the guys that we've listed are very young. They're probably still U20, U23 type prospects. Um, if we are looking at 
real senior national team. I do think he's probably somewhere in there. So, yeah. Uh, I think, and I think that's fair, right? Uh, uh, to your point, Thomas, if we are looking at Kevin Paredes, um, even a Paxton Aronson, Cade Cowell, um, these guys who have been a part of youth national team setups for a while, I don't trust any of them right now to go play a senior national team game, like in a meaningful game, you know? So Zendejas, does he at least provide that? Maybe. And, and that's the role he can play right now. Let's move on to the final position, our striker position. Now, I don't want to speak for you all, but um, I think we all have Jesus Ferreira as the number one, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's Falaren Balligan. Uh, he's the number one. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I'm just going to speak for myself here. He proved why he should be that in the Nations League uh, with as, even as little time as he had with the the team under an interim of an interim head coach and, you know, scores a goal impacts play very well. You see him scoring. He just got a big move to Monaco. You know, he's in a higher league than anyone else. Plus scoring in that, well, at least last year he was scoring in Ligue 1, which is much higher competition than anyone else in our striker depth chart. Um, it, it's just gotta be Balogun, right? I mean, that's gotta be the guy um, behind him. I have Pepe and then I have Sargent. Now, I will be the first to say, I don't care. Like, I think they're both very good. You can put one at the, you know, if, if Balogun's not ready, you can put either one there, and I don't really care. The only reason I'm listing Pepe as ahead of Sargent is Ricardo Pepe has this thing called health and durability, and he seems to be available. And availability is sometimes a much better characteristic than skill when, you know, it's like that. But I also think Pepe's pretty darn good. So, again, I have Balogun, Pepe, Sargent. Um, Caleb, I think you're the same. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think this one's hard. And you know, just peek behind the curtain. I think we're all in agreement here. Balogun, we've saw, we saw what he can do. I mean, just even in his first appearance, you could just see that this guy's different, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, his technical ability, his movement off the ball, his ability to finish. Uh, he, he's a special player, and and yeah, he's he's number one. And then Pepe, Sergeant again. I'm going to echo you, whether it's Sergeant Pepe, Pepe Sergeant. I don't care. If Josh is healthy, I will lean Josh Sergeant. Um, okay. Just because I think he, like, if we're going to press and we're going to be on the front foot, I think he presses better than Pepe. So that's why he gets the edge for me. Um, yeah. But again, like you said, if you can't stay healthy, it's really hard to and use. And it you. sucks, right? Because we're having the same issue with Geo, where you could put Geo as a starting attacking mid and be like yeah that's our dude but you're right. not there it doesn't really matter it's so frustrating and it seems like josh between it's like between usmnt windows like he's on fire right and he's playing yeah. great and then and it's the, like a week before call up dude gets hurt and yeah. i you know and the frustrating thing about josh is this past injury he got hurt scoring a freaking goal like it's yeah. it's just so frustrating especially being a fan of his uh, for as long as I have been, even with his Werder Bremen days and struggling and playing right back, you know, right, like all these terrible moments that he's been through. And then to see him turn it around and kind of almost catch fire and then boom, yeah. he gets hurt again right before. So yeah, it's, 
but he's he's still there. He's still there for me. Thomas, um, look, I don't think you have any different than us, but I think my question to you would be, you know, we you have Balog and Pepe Sargent listed, but now that the reality is Sargent is not healthy. We see in this roster that Perhalter selected, he only had Balogun and Pepe. So in his mind, there, and I think uh, Berhalter, even in this roster, has proven that like he'll bring in an extra player or two. Is there anyone behind Sargent that's even worth giving a look to in camps like this? Like legitimately, when you have Balogun and Pepe also there? Uh, probably not. I mean, I mean, you, you mean, you, I mean, Hard You Right is always, you know, one that's, you know, there. You know, he's. Again, always got to keep your eye on him. Vasquez, again, keep your eye on him. Pifok, uh, he's getting a little old, little older and a little further away from the national team. Yeah. I mean, the one player that, again, it's a health issue is DK. I, I kind of <laughs> want to see this player, you know, get a couple, you know, seasons underneath him and, and you know, see if he can get that skill there. But I, I'm skeptical that he's just not going to be able to, to remain healthy. And, you know, so, I mean, you have that. And then the thing is you do, you know, you have a way of who could play that position if you needed to, you know, you know, in a camp situation. So, you know, I think it's, you know, camps and tournaments are a little bit different. You know, you have a little bit more flexibility, so you, um, you can try different things out, but I mean, I think it's clear cut that, you know, Balogun and Pepe are just the, the one, two right now. I mean, I, I, to Caleb's point, I love Sergeant, but it's like, you got, you got to be healthy all the time. And especially when the national team is, is coming together so yeah, yeah and, and that's the unfortunate thing with josh Sargent is he just can't stay healthy um all right well gentlemen we did our 3d depth chart that's awesome <laughs> good for us um are there any positions that you feel let's put it this way which position do you feel the most need to better identify the backups right now Thomas, which one do you think is the most like priority? I'm gonna go with the the six, the you know defensive mid. I think that's I think that that's been an issue for a while. I mean, one because Adams can't stay healthy, right? You know, yep. consistently. Um, and, and two, it also depends on how they're gonna play, and that's the other thing. Are they gonna play double pivot? Are they gonna you know you know you know play just a, yeah? If you a, go to a three back system, you you're probably not playing three full true midfielders. You know, not in the way that we play it. Exactly. So you, I think you have to figure out what that looks like and, and find, yeah. and find, you know, the, those, give them the opportunities, right. Musa can do it. Um, and I think a lot of people will be like, fine, Musa's going to do it. McKenney and Reyna. Okay. There you go. The, you know, then that's, people are okay with that. And I think, I think ideally that's probably what it'd be if Adams isn't there, but um, I still think you need to find, you know, that, that other player. And, and again, I, I know a lot of Cardoso is one of those players. I know there's a lot, a lot of high, you know, people high on him, but like, I just don't think he hasn't had that opportunity. It was disappointing. He didn't get the transfer. He missed the Gold Cup, and I think the Gold yeah. Cup would have been a good opportunity for him to be able to, to, to you know, integrate himself more with the team because he's getting those first team call ups still. So some someone sees something in him, right? And right. so, but we haven't seen it on the field. That's the problem, and that's where a lot of people are like, "Well, he can't do it." So, I hope he gets an opportunity in this camp. I mean, it's you know, the opponents aren't you know, overly difficult. So hopefully he, you know, will be able to get that start at least in one of the matches. Yeah. I, I think that's the goal with this camp. And we'll talk about the roster in a, in a little bit, but there are positions where you can start someone who is more battling for that backup role or, or even sometimes a starting role to give them some confidence here. Um, Caleb, 
which position do you think is the least unsettled at the starters position? Uh, with the start, I think probably center back just yeah. because, I mean, you've got all the potential of Chris Richards struggling to find playing time. He's had some Maybe injury knocks. Move, possibly on a move. Could be. I, I hope he does get a move yeah. uh, somewhere where they want to play him as a starter. Uh, you have Miles Robinson, who everybody seems to, you know, just hate on him because he plays in the MLS, even though he's shown time and time again that he can do the job. Um, then you've got guys like Reem, who, who has an age issue. Uh, so I'd say they're, they're, that's probably the most – unsettled which really is kind of alarming because you you'd love to have two center backs is it alarming or is it just because we have a lot of really good like do you get what i'm saying because during <sighs> during qualifying it was basically you know we do Zimmerman, richards and i think that's Robinson. a blessing i think that's a blessing the fact that we do have a lot of talented guys who can fill the position i think it's alarming that we don't have two guys that we can just say mm-hmm. There are two guys, and there always are two guys. We're all there's always some sort of injury. There's always some sort of playing time issue. There's always some sort of uh, he doesn't get called in because the coach doesn't like him. You know, there's just we can't ever seem to have a string of like I would love to go back and Thomas. Maybe you have this somewhere in all your uh, stats, but like, what's the longest string of games? with the same center back pairing because I would venture to say it's probably not a large string of games. Uh, So that's what's alarming to me, but I do. Yeah. To your point, fortunately we've got guys that are talented enough. They can do the job. I would just love for my pairing to know each other and the way each other plays step for step, you know, because they have the time together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So no, that, I, that's, I totally that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I agree that it's, well, I mean, I agree that it's not settled. I just don't know if it's that big of a deal. Cause I think we have three to four guys who all kind of fit that very well. Um, and that's just kind of where I'm at. It's like, Hey, they're all good. Um, like to me, I would put Richards and Robinson just because like, those are the two guys I feel the most confident with. I think they complement each other very well. Same. And, you know, but if it's like if it's Reem and Richards, fantastic. If it's Reem and CCB, great. If it's Richards and CCB, fantastic. Like, it, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not, not saying I'm not saying I think it's the problem. I think the problem is the six, right? We talked about the six. That's where the issue is. I just say unsettled because it isn't like it is. No, it's you, look at, I agree. you look at you look at left back. I mean, it's set in stone, right? You look you at left Jedi. Wing. That's it. Yeah, Balogun. <laughs> like there are so many positions you can look at, and you're just like you don't really even have to think about it. Yeah. With center back, you're like, well, who's healthy? Who's who's Greg mad at this week? Who, you know, like, <laughs> you got to look at all yeah. these things. So who's that's healthy? Because, Lord, Chris Richards has that issue, too. Um, well, gents, we got through the 3D depth chart. We've got somewhere between 30 and 33 players. Um, th- this, to me, just feels like the right amount of people to really, truly consider. And this is where, when we talk about the rosters, people get really mad over even the, the a third choice after the second choice to me so we're looking at maybe spots one through four that really in some of these positions are being contested but as you pointed out left back 
after Jedi, it's really just pick a person and we have, you know, if, if Jedi's not playing, we're screwed regardless, right? <laughs> it's probably Dust, but like, it's not great. The point is, we, we argue a lot about these peripheral players, and I agree that they matter, but they're not mattering in the way that, like, once you get past a certain level, it's not, it's not ideal. It's not great. So at that point, we're just choosing the, le the least problematic. Um, and I think it, when you look at this depth chart, it's very clear that we have a set 11 to 13 players that were like, yeah, these are the guys who were, were starting. Um, that said, let's wrap this up and move on to the September roster. We have a roster for two friendlies. Um, we will be playing Uzbekistan and Oman. Uh, Uzbekistan on September 9th. That is a Saturday at 5.30. And then we play Oman on Tuesday the 12th at uh, 8.30. Now, Thomas, I'm going to let you do your stats here thing here. These are pretty um, historic games for the U.S. Yeah, I mean, so they haven't played either nation before. So I think it's 103, 104 in terms of first time playing opponent. And we haven't played a lot of, you know, teams from the, the AFC Confederation. And so on home soil, I think it's going to be the 20th and 21st matches for, for those, uh, you know, for, you know, Asian nations playing, you know, on American soil, which is, you know, kind of a cool thing. Cause we don't see it very often. Yeah. Um, That's weird. You know, I just feel like AFC is a good, like kind of corollary to CONCACAF a lot of times. Yeah, I mean, for tournaments, maybe more. We, you know, we definitely, you know, would see China, South Korea a lot, you know, early on. And, um, but yeah, it's, it, it's a, it's a, it's nice to see. I mean, I, look, the, the opponent quality has gotten some criticism, but I'd rather see them play these opponents than CONCACAF teams, right? Like, well, and the opponent quality is like, I don't want to say it's easily explained away, but let's be real honest. We can't choose from UEFA because they're playing Euro qualifiers. Um, Comnabal is starting their their World Cup qualifiers. Africa's doing, I think, Afcon qualifiers. They're do, they're doing they're all doing some sort of competitive thing right now. So the Asian nations are the only ones available to us, right? That's the thing. Oh, and and I don't think there had been talk about playing a European camp, but um, I think with Greg Berhalter coming back, I think they wanted to try to you know give him that boost um, at home and and you know lift it up there. So. Um, that's fine. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, I'm excited to, uh, to, to see them go out there and, you know, it's, it's been, a, you know, it's been, a, you know, since the summer. So. Well, let's uh, compare our depth charts to the ones that uh, Greg Berhalter selected. And again, we have to caveat this, but there's a uh, several players that are missing um, and we'll kind of talk about them by position group. Um, but let's start with goalkeepers. We have in alphabetical order, Drake Callender from Inter Miami, Ethan Horvath from Nottingham Forest, and Matt Turner also from Nottingham Forest. Um, I want to just say that I think my take on Callender and Thomas, see if you agree with this or not. Sean Johnson was the like third choice goalkeeper because MLS dude proved that he's very good as a starter in a league, which is you can't say that for Stefan or Horvath. You know, we're just now getting to that point where we can maybe say that about Gaga. But you got to have one guy who's a domestic goalkeeper because you got to have someone who can be the number one, the, the be that guy when you have a domestic base camp, right?
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and so, you know, you don't have a huge amount of options with that. But but I think, you know, I again, I think there's, you know, there might be something to the fact that, you know, with a uh, inner Miami situation uh, sure. with, with Messi, you know, to, to maybe get some fans in the seat in general. I mean, I don't think. I mean, you could, you know, there's another, you know, you could have gone Salentano, you could have gone Chris Brady, you know, as, as kind of options, you know, yeah. uh, you know, possibly, you know, those players could have, you know, been brought in. But I, I, I think, you know, calendar's gotten some looks, before, you know, on the rosters, these provisional rosters this summer. Uh, so I, it's not a huge surprise on that at 25. I think it's time. I mean, you know, yeah. I think, I think we've seen enough of Sean Johnson. He's, you know, 34 and, and uh, you know he's definitely on the uh, on the de- decline there. So yeah, he's listed as kind of an injured player. But Caleb, I mean, do you think that it, Calendar is basically kind of replacing Sean Johnson as the MLS goalkeeper in the kind of group? Yeah, I mean, Sean Johnson got his World Cup right. And, good for him. And good for you, dude. I, I mean, that's that's awesome. It's an accomplishment, and it's not like he's ever. It's never, he was never like a trash keeper. Like, oh, I can't believe he's in the like. He paid his dues. Again, we're talking about a third keeper. Um, but, you know, thank you for your service. And he still only had one goal total conceded on him in his yeah. entire U.S. Yeah. And, 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 and again, like, I like the guy. But, um, yeah, you've got to find, uh, you know, more youth and and someone who has more potential that if he does have to step yeah. in. And I think Drake Calendar has proven himself that he can do a job. Now, the next question, and this is, I don't want to spend too much time on goalkeepers, but Thomas and Caleb both, do you start someone, do you play someone other than Turner in either of these matches, or is it just Turner for both of them? Thomas, what do you think? You know, normally, I would say you play Turner in both of them, um, but, you know, he's getting regular time, and so maybe you'd, you know, maybe you throw Ethan Horvat a, uh, you know, a, a bone there and, and give him a start in one of the matches. You started both uh, Turner in both matches there, Caleb? Yeah, I, I'm starting Turner both matches just because if he's your one, you go with him. But I do understand and appreciate the point Thomas just made. Like, if they do that, I'm not yelling about it, you know? Fair enough. Uh, let's move up the field to defenders. We have in alphabetical order, Sergio Des, new club now, PSV Eindhoven. Uh, Christopher Lund from Palermo. He is a new face, a new name, and we'll talk a little bit about him. Mark McKenzie from Gank, Kevin Paredes listed as a defender from Wolfsburg, Tim Reen from Fulham, Chris Richards currently with Crystal Palace, rumored to be on the move, Anthony Robinson also with Fulham, 
Miles Robinson from Atlanta United, and Joe Scali from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, the only surprise for me is Christopher Lund. Even Paredes, I didn't have him on the list, but that's not a surprise. I, I just, I'm not fully ready to make him like a senior national team player. Uh, Caleb, what do you know about this Christopher Lund guy? I mean, you're you're an expert in Scandinavians playing in the Italian second division, right? Uh, yeah, actually, because <laughs> I'm Scandinavian myself. No, uh, I, I know he's a left-footed, um, you know, left-sided player. I'm interested to see because we talked about depth chart on the left side. Can we get a guy who is dominant left to play on the left? Uh, who can come in and do a job? Is he is he creative? How is he one v one? Like I'm very interested to see this guy. I can't say that I have watched him. Uh, anybody who's like, oh yeah, I watch him all the time. Shut up. Like come on, please. <laughs> but yeah. and you know what? Maybe people do. Uh, but like you said. You know, I've got a life. I don't have that kind of time. Yeah, I, I'm not sitting here watching a dual nap that has an upper cap for us in the this in second division of Italy. Exactly. Uh, Thomas, any anything from this defender group that you want to talk about? No, I think it's it's pretty standard. The 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 Lund one is the only thing. I mean, his name was familiar to me. That was it. You know, he's only because he's a dual national. Is yeah. Maybe he hit the radar for me. That was it. So I don't know anything about him. So, but. um I, I like to call in. I like call. I mean, look, these are the camps you got to call these sorts of players in. You know, it's a culture thing. It's, you know, if he's a dual national, he's considering coming over. I think you need to bring players into yeah. the camps and, and introduce them to that and show them the culture of the team, right? It's a very different group. You know, you know, and a lot of senior players now on this that have been through a World Cup. Bring them in, you know, wine and dine them. If it doesn't work, great. But at least you, you, you put the effort into it and, and you're trying to do that. And that's the unique opportunity the u.s has with dual national so yeah yeah so christopher lund uh danish american dual national um we'll see i mean i don't expect to like again jedi is here he's your starter i don't necessarily think this means anything for the shakeup of the left back depth chart it's just a guy you called in uh midfielders johnny cardoso from internacional in brazil uh ben Kramashi from inter miami luca de la torre from Celta vigo Weston McKinney, uh, still at Juventus. <laughs> they tried to get rid of him. He's still there. Uh, Yunus Musa now with AC Milan and Malik Tillman, which apparently it's Malik, not Malik, from PSV Eindhoven. He actually played in those UCL qualifiers. Uh, I did want to mention that. PSV Eindhoven, which has three Americans, going to be playing in Champions League this uh, season, as well as Royal Antwerp, which has Sam Vines. So congrats to those guys. That's pretty awesome. Um Again, you notice that Tyler Adams not listed here, Gio Reyna not listed here. Um, some other players, like no Georgie Mihailovic. I didn't think that, you know, I'm not one way or the other plus pressed about it, but um, I do think this is an interesting group of players. But to your point, Thomas, in a camp like this against opponents that aren't going to be incredibly difficult, you know, we should beat them. Um, it's kind of fine when you see that you have McKinney and Musa De La Torre. Anyone after that is just in camp to kind of get to know things, right? You would, yeah, and, and that's the whole thing. I mean, you, you have to you have to use these camps to bring in some of these younger players to introduce them because the problem is Greg talks out of both sides of his mouth. Well, they haven't experienced with the national team. Well, whose fault is that? 
Yeah, right. You know, you're the manager. You can bring these players in or not. You don't have to bring 23 players in. You can bring in 25, 26, 28 players. Doesn't mean they make the game day roster, but it, they get the experience. You know, figure out how to run a practice, a camp with more than 23 players in it. It's you know, it, you have to be able to do that. I think yeah. with some of these, you know, these younger players to introduce them to the national team because if that's always going to be your excuse, th- then you're just chasing your tail on this. You know, and yeah. this is the opportunity where the exposure can be done, and especially in a year you don't have to qualify. You should be bringing yeah. in two or three players every camp that, you know, trying to introduce into the national team. Well, and one of those, Caleb, is Ben Hamin, Ben Hamin Kramaski from Inter Miami, um, a Argentinian-American dual national. Rumors been coming out that he's, well, actually, I don't even think it's rumors. He's said it as much that he and Messi have been talking about, you know, playing for Argentina. Obviously, they've got the best recruiting tool there in Miami because it's, in our, it's uh, you know, in our Messi right now. Um, you know, is he, is this, this is clearly a play to get a dual national recruiting kit, right? Like, this, this is what we're trying to do here. Is that bad? No, I don't think it's bad. I think, I mean, it's dumb not to call them out. Like Thomas said, like, you've got to call guys in. You've got to turn stones over. You've got to figure out what you've got. And it'd be stupid to just let this kid leave, right? Now, as far as him talking to Messi, right? Messi can tell me to go jump out of my second story, you know, window in my house. And I'm, I'm probably going to think about it at least like Messi told me to do it. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, dude, I don't know. That doesn't like, sound oh, man, good. The greatest ever just told me to do that. I but Me- to. You know? Yeah, exactly. Messi <laughs> carries a little bit more weight here. Um, and you got to think like this kid has probably grown up idolizing him and he's saying you should go play for Argentina. <laughs> okay. Is he thinking about the fact that, you're going to go play for Argentina and never play, buddy. Like, you'll right. never play. Right. Um, so hopefully he understands, and he's got people telling him that. He's got people in his camp that are giving him good advice, and he's going to come into the U.S. camp and see how things are run. And maybe he does continue to progress because he's shown he can play. Uh, he's not there yet, obviously. But, I, yeah, you, you use a spot and call him in, absolutely. You'd be stupid not to. Yeah, I mean, look, Thomas, he's got 32 appearances for Inter-Miami, only two goals, but, like, do you agree? Just why would you not call a guy in like this? Yeah, I I, I, I love the call-in for it, you know what I mean? Like, you, I think you have to, you have to, again, consume these players, you know, to do that. And, again, he's getting minutes in MLS, and so, you know, that's... He's a legit starter on right. a, Like, Miami has significantly increased their talent level in the past what month and he's still starting. Well, that's, and that's the thing. So, I mean, I think that's, that's a testament to those sorts of things. I mean, you, I mean, not calling him in would, would, you know, would be where the fail is. And so that's, I think for as much as, you know, I say joke, but we talk about the MLS bias, which there really isn't one, but, but I mean, there's a bias is not a quota, excuse me, definitely a bias. You know, you've got to be calling these players in, right. If they're doing that, like, I mean, you know, uh, uh, no buck from from the uh, revolution. You know he's a player. You know I guess Greg spoke with him, but those are the players you've got to be talking to yeah. and, and and finding opportunities to get them into camps and, and and see them because they're playing at high levels in the MLS at a young age. And so why why you're you know have that you know that reach in you know when they're on domestic soil before they go to Europe. You know you know have those conversations, bring them in. And, and do that. And I, lo- I love to see it because I think those are the, those are things that excite 
the fan base, right? Not seeing Paul Ariola for the, you know, the 50th time, right? Like they, they, they want to see some of these young talented players, you yeah, know, Chris and Roldan listed as injured for this camp. And I was going, Oh man, we're even still talking about this dude. Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, let's finalize this. We got the forwards, uh, Brendan Aronson now with Union Berlin and champions league club, by the way. Uh, Falern Balligan, uh, when this was released, he was with Arsenal, but he's now with AS Monaco down in France. Well, technically in Monaco, but in the French legal. Um, Cade Cowell with San Jose, Ricardo Pepe also with PSV Eindhoven, Christian Pulisic with AC Milan, his new club, and Tim Weah with Juventus, his new club. And he's starting and playing, which is different than um, <laughs> Mr. Weston McKinney. Um, I don't think there's anything shocking about this. I think there's been some consternation and you know, there's even some consternation in my Twitter group chat about Cade Cowell. I just, why, like, I don't know of anyone else that I'm like, yeah, this guy definitely deserves a call up over Cowell, especially when you get into like some injuries. And I, I don't know how to be angry about this group. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind the group. Cade Cowell, I, I'm actually glad he's in here. And, and the reason for that is, is because he surround him with with some of the t- the top talent in the pool mm-hmm. see see what rubs off on him right you know he, he, well, i think he he's going to be moving here shortly um which is going to be you know needed for him uh, a little yeah, bit the guy i think i think he's you know for him in his mind maybe he's hit the ceiling the mls even though he hasn't had the greatest season i think he needs a little bit more technical ability better touch decision making as we've discussed you know you know in this podcast and probably in other ones but I, I think it's it's good to surround them with this group. Yeah. Again, there are not a lot of options, you know. You know, I mean, you could have brought in Dejas, I guess. Um, but I think he might be injured. Yeah, he might be injured. Someone, yeah, I don't, I don't remember if he was listed or not. Yeah, they, yeah, he I he played last weekend, so I there was it's on the fence on that, but it doesn't really matter. But I think it's fine. I, I think yeah. it's fine on this. It, it's good to get. Again, he's 19. I say it a lot of time. He's 19. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, so it's okay. It's okay. You know that he's not, you know, burning it up. You know, he's he's got to learn and, and work through that. We got spoiled with the Pulisics and the Weyas and all these guys who, at 19, 20 years old, are starting for big clubs. You know, not everyone. That's not true for everyone. That's certainly not true for most U.S. soccer players. Um, last question about this forward group because it's very similar to the one I asked about the goalkeepers. I think you and I both agree Falaron Balligan's number one. Do you start him for both matches? Do you play him all 90? But I mean, what what do you see the minutes distribution of Balligan and Pepe? Well, if they're playing, if they're talking about three backs, you know, maybe you play them together. You know, one up. You know what I mean? I kind of, I almost kind of want to see that a little bit too. Because we think about when's the last time we played two strikers up top? I'd have to go back and look, honestly. Um, in a in a uh, intended formation, like right? Not intended, a, oh my gosh, we just got to get players. Up I mean, yeah, maybe yeah. Bobby Wood, Josie, maybe. Yeah, maybe. You know, maybe something like that. I don't. You know, I'd, I'd have to go back and look because it's not something. It's not a formation. It's really something Berhalter has even played because when we've done a three back, it's usually like a three four three. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's and so it's it's worth trying it even for a half, right? You know, mm. this is what it's for. So. Selfishly, I want to see Balogun play start both because I just I want to see more of him. I think I would start him in both, but I, yeah, I, yeah, I I'm with you. I just you know maybe you give Sergeant or Sergeant, gosh, Pepe twenty minutes in each, thirty minutes in each. I don't yeah. know. What do you think? Yeah, maybe again. I, I, yeah, I I mean the 
they're both exciting players to watch. They're, they're fun to watch. And I just, the team with the national team, I just, I'm excited to just see, see that piece of it and see how they, you know, build that continuity. Cause that's the one thing about and he hasn't been in a lot of camps, right? He, he, he's been in one other one. Right. So we, yeah. To do that, I think is going to be important. He hasn't been under a Burhalter camp either. So, like, well, that's, exactly. This is the thing is I, that's where I'm at. And so, you need to start him because he needs to play with Burhalter as much as possible. But, um, look, we we went a whole month without being able to watch U.S. men's soccer. And really, the women's soccer that we had to watch during that month wasn't particularly enjoyable either. So, we get to watch some hopefully enjoyable U.S. men's soccer for sure this month. Um, these two friendlies. I don't expect much to learn much, but I think just getting the guys out there, getting the first team, this feels like the preferred squad of available players for the most part. That to me is the most important thing we're going to quote learn from this pair of friendlies we have. Yeah. I mean, it really, even though it's not the case, obviously, but you're kind of turn the page. This is kind of the start of the cycle, really. We, yeah. You know, you know Greg, back. the start of the cycle. I hate the gold cup because it doesn't feel like a real start to a new cycle because of right. the odd year, but yeah, Greg's back. So right, definitely. Greg's back. So in that, and that's the you know piece of you know they're gonna see. And so my fear with Greg coming back though, and while the roster looks great, he's looking to try new things. When the when the rubber hits the road, they always go back to what they're comfortable with, right? Yeah. When it matters. So it's you know I, I know I expect to see this sort of thing even through the Nation League in in, in November. Um, but what's gonna, you know, really where it's gonna, it's gonna come to te- to a test is, you know, Copa America. Yeah. What well, it looks like there. And that, I think you do raise a good point though, because we do have Nations League in November. We'll have a two-legged tie against whoever gets out of the group, you know, the, the second-place team in the group. Um, these four friendlies we have, these two against Oman and Uzbekistan, and then the two in October against Ghana and Germany, definitely steps up. Hopefully, Greg is able to both try new players. Um, but also solidify on his preferred, you know, 11 to 15. Um, and we do see some new-ish faces. I mean, a lot of these guys, as we talked about last cycle ad nauseum, they're young. I mean, the, the, most of these guys are still under 26. So I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of changes in what he would prefer, but I do want to see him find those second and third choice guys who are different than what we had last cycle. Yeah, I think it's going to be critical when we're talking about like substitutions, right? Like, yeah, like the combinations of players he brings in, you know, if you're tied in the match yeah. or even ahead in the match, you know, what are you going to do to, to be able to, you know, get the go ahead goal or, you know, yeah. you know, hold hold that uh, hold that lead uh, to get the win. So I think that's going to be, you know, I think against Germany, I think that'll be good, you know, good opportunity to do that and, and build, you know, kind of build that because, yeah. you know, this is it, man. You, this is, you, you, you cannot miss a step here. You gotta, you've got to hit it all along the way. Yeah. Every camp is important. And so while these matches themselves are not vital in terms of like learning new things necessarily, uh, granted, if he's talking about possibly, you know, having a, a three back system, that is good, but every camp is important to make sure that you're getting a full understanding of the player pool and, and making yourself attuned to every single advantage you can possibly get from this cycle because i don't think he did a good enough job of that last time around um and like you said he kind of just fell back into what was comfortable not necessarily what was going to press our advantages the best yeah and i think when you look at like uh you know 
when he was gone, the, how they played the Nations League as opposed to how they played the Gold Cup. Now, mind you, different player pools, but, you know, one was much more attacking and yeah. free-flowing type of play where the other one was pretty much Burhoff the ball, right? Yeah. You know, playing out of the back. And so, um, again, could be player pools, but I think I think we've got to see more of that free-flowing free play and less of the uh, rigidness. Yeah. All right, well... Uh... Thanks for talking with me so long about all the players that we have in this U.S. men's national team pool. I mean, I feel like we've talked about a lot of names that gets confusing, but um, it's good to know where we stand and where they stand. Um, so thanks again for joining me. Uh, make sure you follow Thomas at U.S. Keeper on Twitter. Thanks for having me and excited for the matches next week. Yeah, again, we get to watch U.S. soccer. It's great. Um, you can follow Caleb at USMNTV Corner. Thanks, Caleb, for joining. Thank you all for listening. Do not forget to subscribe to Soccer Down Here for all of the daily coverage that we provide. And if you feel so inclined, support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash pod. I'm Bart. I'm out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.